Welcome to the second half. I'm your host, Melanie Kenneman, and I'm excited to spend the next hour with you interviewing some of my favorite people in the world. Uh, you know, a lot of people put a lot of weight in the first half of any game, and what they don't realize, it's actually in the second half. The things that you do, the actions you take, the mindset you have that sets you up to win or fail at anything that you do or at any game. Today we feature Harma Hartuni, a top agent, entrepreneur, 40 under 40, 30 under 30, amazing successful story. And the real story behind it is told in his new book, Getting Back Up. And Getting Back Up shares his growing up in Iran and one major, major obstacle after another and how he always overcame it. And the life he leads today, I think you'd be surprised to find where he came from. So today is all about getting back up no matter what's going on in your world. And I know you're going to enjoy this wonderful episode with my friend Harma on the second half. Um, Harma Hartuni is a self-made entrepreneur and developer, owns a real estate company employing hundreds of residential and commercial real estate agents in Southern California, and runs the number one ranked real estate business in his region. Harma has created a successful brand with his growing business footprint in Los Angeles, building a large real estate practice exceeding $1 billion in sales in 2019. As founder and CEO of multiple companies serving the local real estate market, Harma's businesses include financial services, technology, and coaching. A personal, a personal passion Harma has developed in, uh, into advising some of the top agents in the country on strategies to grow their business. Harma creates real estate portfolios for investors, runs a highly profitable escrow company, and has expanded into property development with multiple active projects. Among awards and recognition received, the National Real Association of Realtors named Harma as one of their top 30 under 30 brokers in the country and the loss that's amazing right uh, and the los angeles uh, business journal has recognized him as one of their 40 under 40 most influential business owners i'm so excited about that harma lives in la with his partner and their three children three dogs and two turtles <laughs> i love that right just just to give a little history but then but then and then you read this book Right. So on paper, when you read about the author, anybody would think, oh, you know, he's had it easy, whatever. And then you read your story and you're like, OMG, that's amazing. Yep. It's um, yeah, definitely um, closest friends of mine did not know at least half of the things. And um, and it shaped me. And some of them will say, oh, my God, now that you do that, I understand why. Yeah. And we always, you know, we get impacted by our past. And um, yeah, I had an interesting journey. I was born here, but I was 30 days old, moved to Iran. I'm Christian, but we lived in a country that just went through revolution and minorities didn't matter as much as before. And that's why I was minority there. And then I moved here and then I became minority here. And then I had it's almost similar challenges when it comes to rejection. Mm -hmm. uh, meanwhile, I thought something is wrong with me. And I even tried to um, fix myself by yeah. seeing doctors, you know, yeah. I, you only want to fix yourself when you think something is wrong with you until right. you get selfish, then yeah. you accept yourself. 
Yeah. And then you be like, I am who I am. Right. And, which then immediate people around you, when you change, they're like, oh my God, I can't believe you're so selfish. And you put yourself first, which in my culture is like, you put everyone first, you live your life for them. And, and I it got to a point that thought I will, I will, I should not live in this earth. I mean, I should just be gone in a minute and be done yeah. with it. And yeah, you're like, you're, you're in the wrong place. You're definitely yeah. in the wrong place, right? Yeah. I'm bringing shame. And um, then I came out and uh, that was a different journey. Before I came out, before I moved to the US, I hit a car, I came out of a car, another car hit me, my both legs broke. And- Told you we're never gonna walk again. Yes. Yeah. And I was, so, um, so I, all of it, if you read it together, you will see it's like a, literally the name of the book is like getting back up and it's funny because I had like amazing uh team behind me too uh but you don't make money writing a book by the way so I anyone who's <laughs> excited just know, don't write it for yourself but my team was like here are the names here's the logo and I had it all set up and uh me and my husband don't like we are connected but we don't do business like a lot of couples they're very involved in each other's business we don't do that like he has his yeah. career mine and we just support each other so I had all the things on the table and he walks in and he's on the phone I'm sure we're talking to someone famous and he just walks and goes like I don't like any of them I'm like are you serious we're going live like what is wrong I, said, I, I need a title to... for my book I said actually I don't want to get involved I said, I'm just gonna yeah. pick one because that I take actions fast and then he yeah goes, he paused he goes like just name it get it back up hello and then walked away I was like oh my God, I spent yeah. so much money to come up with all of this. And he just said it in 30 seconds. So, um, well, in all fairness, your husband's also like a big marketing, like amazing guy at Disney. So <laughs> he's, he's very smart. And yeah. Uh, so anyway, the name of getting back up and every time, um, like I had, I went through something a month ago and um, it shaked me inside. I don't get that far. Um, obviously I have, but not that often. And it, I was just like, couldn't put my, I, you know, it's hard to pull yourself up when you're yeah. beat up, you know? And, and my books were all on top of each other and in front. And I had a lot of them that I had to sign and I had to send and I couldn't see them. I was just going through what I went through until I made a conscious effort that it's okay to cry. It's okay to be beat up, but get over it at one point when is that when is the time you're just going to be get over because you gotta you can't continue and then um my uh, associate walked by goes like hey um can i get one of your books right now and i was just not in a moment i said sure i grabbed it and i put it down to a sign i looked down and it's it was all in front of me but i looked down and it says getting back up i was like oh my God, I went through worse than what I'm going through right now. This is just nothing. So you put a perspective again. Mm. And I literally bounced back many years ago. It would have taken me a little bit longer to bounce back. But I think when you go through things at one point, mentally, physically, you start just adapting faster because yeah. this is move forward. Well, well, and I, and I think people who haven't read your book don't really know what we're talking about. But um, I love that you open your dedication. You said... Uh, this book is dedicated to those who have struggled in life and been ashamed of who they are because they are different to those who have had to find a way to accept where they are and choose where they're about to go. 
I love that, that you, that you made that dedication at the beginning, but you know, you talk about here in your book, um, I just want to say a little things from the book. And then I want to talk about what's going on now, because you're also running a real estate team. You're running a real estate office in LA. And I feel like if, if your calling is helping and growing others, you're doing it all the time, no matter where you are, right? It doesn't doesn't stay within the walls of the Keller Williams office, no. right? It's it's when you're you know there in Palm Springs, you know, moving stuff into your new place, and somebody you run across to whatever. It's like your ears are always there. And so, what I love about you telling your story, it's a way to give people permission if they don't feel like they're in the right spot. Like, you know, you had to come, you, you grew up in an, in, in a culture that did not accept number one, being gay. That was not an option. You, you know, you had story after story, you got get this terrible accident. Uh, you know, your father didn't know how to show you love. Like there's so many things right along the way that could have broken you, right. They really could have Harma. They could have broken you. And uh, like literally with, you know, the, the bus incident where you get, you know, you, you think you're not going to be able to walk and then how your father showed his love by getting you the best doctor, right. It, it, there's just so many pieces there, but you never did. And you kept getting back up. And I think that's the kind of messages people need to hear is like, Hey, no matter what's going on right now, we will get through this, right? This pandemic, none of us saw this coming. Nobody we're, saw this coming. We're going through this, all of us together. This is the most beautiful part of the pandemic that it's not happening only to one person. Right. It's nothing beautiful about it. Don't take me wrong. Right. We're all going through it. And yeah. you can't be more united to have one thing in common is a pain. So we all have one pain. Yeah. And, uh, and we have to go through it together. And sadly, I think this is nothing to what can happen. Exactly. And if we can't, if we're cracking right now and we can't, I mean, we're losing relationships, husband and wife cannot be on the same page and yeah. kids are not health, whatever it is happening with you, losing jobs financially, getting yeah. affected. What if, if something bigger happened? Yeah. And um, it, so when you say that, this doesn't yeah. look that bad. <laughs> I literally went, pen, uh, COVID hit on the, uh, March 27th of last year. I was just, couldn't think. I was like, what, what is this? And I've been recruiting for Keller Williams when I started 16 years ago, one at a time. Like, you know, you build relationship you really have an impact and then yeah but then in throughout that i seen people filing bankruptcy shutting down R companies big companies small companies in my territory they shut down so i called my leadership and i said well i don't know if we need to get a bankruptcy attorney or i don't know how it works because i just never thought i have to file bankruptcy and never in my life i had financial issues in a sense of committing and not delivering so I don't have that but I guess this is it and and then I pulled myself together because I heard so many other owners thinking the same they're all like yep we need this is it we're going down and I thought real estate industry is this yeah I was expecting the change and then um I said you know what if everybody is thinking about shutting down and we are going to shut down. What about we shut down in a bigger volume? Like, let's just recruit and let's focus on farming and let's yeah. focus on more business. <laughs> and then when market came back to what it is, you know, we hit 1 billion in volume in six months and we didn't. It's amazing. So it's okay. 
I wasn't yeah. expecting that, but you kind yeah. of have to do the, the opposite and versus anyway. Yeah, no, I love, I love that. I love that. I want to read out of your book here for, uh, in your, in your preface. It says being a survivor can mean a lot of things. It can mean strength, misfortune, sickness, pain, trauma, resolve, or resilience. For me, it means all of those things, but most of all, it meant tenacity. Uh, it means I do not give up on what I want. And ultimately what I want is to be happy and honest. I believe happiness can coexist with the darkest and most challenging pieces of who we are. I have been victimized, but I'm not a victim. My past does not in any way dictate uh, what I'm capable of in the future. I believe everyone is a survivor. Everyone can take the things that have happened in their lives and grow from them. Whether you learn from them or just develop a heightened immunity, you can find purpose in life's challenges. This isn't a biography. It's merely a collection of events in my life that have been the most impactful and leading to where I am today. Everyone has a story. I'm telling mine because I want my husband, my colleagues, my kids to know that it's never about what happens to you. It's about what you do with it. I'm using my past to create a better future. I'm moving forward. Yep. I love that. That just gives me chills. When you hear that, that you wrote that, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> like, aren't you proud of yourself, my friend? Yeah. So this is hilarious. Um, so yeah, it's a when when I was writing it, I didn't realize it will be very um, deep. And actually, it's funny when I finished it, um, I just was like, "Oh, I'm done. This I'm done with this three years. Oh, I'm I just don't want to know about it." And then I read it, and I was like, "What the hell was I thinking?" And why did I put this? Why is it's just, it was, as I was writing it, most probably, I didn't realize until when I was reading it again. And uh, I don't know how I got, honestly, I don't know how I got the courage to publish it. At one point, I just don't know how I did it. I think I just said, this is, I'd go publish before I regret it. Or, <laughs> before I change my mind. <laughs> but yeah, but thank you for reading that. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And this whole book, I mean, I have so many, we, I, I could spend a whole day with you. Um, well, since we were just talking about what's happening in our world, I think this is really, uh, this is uh, on page 49. It says, I've learned in life, you have to be capable of dealing with unexpected situations that are beyond your control. I mean, hello, right? We just talked about that. You have to be comfortable with what is uncomfortable. When my father was away, I could be myself. My mother made that time bright and enjoyable. It was truly a respite. But living with my father taught me things are often unpleasant. Sometimes you have to live amid unpleasantness with an intense desire for things to be different. So the question then becomes how you deal with it. If you're in a position where you aren't able to change a situation, don't waste energy questioning it. Use that energy to adapt as best as you can and hold on to your sanity. The difference between a human being and a rock falling off a cliff is a rock falls silently and a human screams and wails, even though the outcome will be precisely the same. If you're going through a difficult process, don't fight it. See it for what it is and get to the other side. Otherwise, it makes all the more miserable for yourself, right? 
Yeah, you can't skip the process. I yeah, yeah. I I think that's in real estate, for example. I get so many people like, I want to be you. I want to have that farm. I want to close ten deals a month. I'm like, right. Um, I give you an example. I was um, I really want to become a captain and like learn how to be on a yacht and be professional at it because I want to have a yacht and then I will not let my kids on it if I'm the captain. You know, I gotta know what I'm doing. Right. Um. I take classes, which is during the day, because on the weekends, there are people around me and I get anxious. I want to learn on a Tuesday morning. So I'm on Tuesday morning on a yacht with captain learning since 7 a.m. At 11 o'clock, I get off and I drive to the office and I continue my day. While I'm there, I posted a picture. I had an agent who's very driven said, um, wow, I admire that. I want that you know and i said you're on track you have 19 and a half years to go <laughs> oh, I, I love know. it but yeah it wasn't overnight yeah. you see no. you know it's so not overnight yeah and is closing I, you know 40 deals a year they didn't start i mean i don't need to ask them i know yeah. they didn't start two years ago that's right so, so there is an effort that goes to build that up and right. um and unexpected things will happen, like our COVID situation right now, that um, you can, but first of all, I, I don't know if this is going to be the wrong, I, maybe I shouldn't say this, but as I said, I'm transparent, stop listening to either channel of newsletter, I, I don't care what you believe in, yeah. just don't, because yeah. first of all, all, everyone has a different opinion, and it's just like, and it's, it's thing, noise the whole time, right? It's not the same thing the next morning. Yeah. Afternoon is not the same thing. Stop. You <laughs> know what true. I mean? And um, yeah. someone told me very smart, clever, positive, constantly positive. Like it's so annoyingly positive that people <laughs> are like, how do you stay positive? He said, news when it were built, it was a horror movie that was not supposed to end. So if mm. they end it, you won't watch it again. Yeah. Like The Ring and all the other movies that you're yeah. done. Right. So they can't end it. So they right. In the right end when you're get off, there's one more hook, right? Yeah, there's and a sequel and a sequel and a sequel. Yeah. It was expanding how chemically that yeah. makes you go banana, you know? Yeah. And, um, so I I will listen because no matter what you listen, when it's good, you will know. Yeah. And um protect your family and just um do the best you can until we're on the other side. Yeah, I, I remember taking a class at UCLA. That's where I graduated from in 93. And um, I was in a communications was like, mm -hmm. I was an English major and I almost got my master's in communication at UNO in New Orleans. But I, that's when I got the opportunity to go to Germany. So I didn't do it. But I remember uh, it, it, we talked about that, the sensationalism, right? Of that's how you get viewers. It's like, cause that's what people want. Cause it, it's like, isn't that sad? So we're feeding ourselves with this stuff that makes us more anxious and fearful and right. And, and, and otherwise, Otherwise, people don't watch, which let's do some reprogramming there. It's funny what you mentioned. So now I'm going to read out of page 67 uh, is because it's about playing to win, right? It says you, you write here the act of winning. This is about your dance competition and stuff, right? The act of winning lasted about three minutes max, which is kind of a long time when you consider Oscar speeches are only 45 seconds. It flew by. Yet the work that went into winning took months, hundreds of hours of work and years of prior practice like you on the yacht and the agent that says that, right? There's nothing that happens overnight that isn't tied to some form of luck. Winning the lottery, that's based on luck. Anything based on skill requires preparation. 
as a businessman, I have learned there is no such thing as an overnight success. Absolutely nothing. Even if it looks that way from the outside, things always happen gradually, 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 and then suddenly, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember Mark saying that too. And, you know, it's it's so interesting that people see the success and that's what playing to win. Playing to win is a decision you make every single day, right? It's a decision you make every single day of, you know, how you want to show up in the world. So tell you tell me, I know your book talks about it and you show it, but let's talk a little bit about bringing that into the market because you're also very entrenched in, you do what I do and then some with, you've got a team and all kinds of stuff. So let's talk about what does playing to win look like for you? The number one thing that I, so I have a couple of very top producing agents. Some of them I actually directly involve in their business and some of them I don't, know exactly day to day what they do, but I'm um, their operating principle. We, uh, they're on my panel. So I get very in tune of what they're doing, who are their coaches, if they have any. And one thing I will say, none of them in common, because I, I look at it as a common, you can't evaluate one person and just say, I'm going to copy my model with this person. It's just like, I look at everyone and like, what is in common they have? Right. They are not competing with anyone else except themselves. So none of them are like, I'm going to bid that listing over this agent. They're just like, I'm going to get bigger market share. Right. Number two, none of them work for money. Money follows when they have the success. So they don't focus on the money. They focus on the success. And the success is the more transaction, more market share, more results. Number three, um, number three, they are very intelligent and uh, self-aware, actually, I should say, besides intelligent, to recognize what they're not good at. For example, uh, none of them that they do in a high level, they say, oh, I'm in charge of my transaction. There is no pride of saying, I know everything about my transaction. Now, there are agents do that, but nothing is wrong with it. But I'm talking about the top 3%. Yeah. They say, I, I don't even know what social media will do for my business. Someone is doing something. I think it's working. They don't. <laughs> All right. Because, they have leverage because they have leverage. Yeah. They don't even say, I'm going to go post my own listing and wait for someone to say, I like it. They're yeah. like, it's a part of my business. Someone does it. So they're keep doing what they do, which is the old traditional way of providing service, co-calling, lead generating, follow up and follow ups. When I noticed from them used to be three follow ups to get to a transaction. Now it's nine months, nine times. You know, it's a lot more follow ups. Right. And um, another thing that they do in common that as an agent, it's important to know they are adapt very fast to whatever that is so for example resisting zoom oh i don't know i just not me i'm not tech savvy they don't say that they're like yeah. okay I, I, let, i'm on zoom now like they yeah. adapt very fast and uh docusign outsourcing the, whatever it is that is working for example i've been hearing a lot of people outsource their some of their uh, assistance there's not physical anymore. They're not actually local and they pay a lot less. And I noticed a lot of the top three percent, they're like not all, the entire team, but they're outsourcing some element and 
but they're like adapt fast. They don't analyze, yeah. they don't go through six companies to decide, they just move on. And the last thing is their um, their marketing, whatever it is, it's some they do a lot, some do less, but they don't stop it. You don't mm. get three months of something and then, oh, that didn't work. They're just consistent at whatever they do. Um, it is fascinating that we as agents will do anything to do nothing. Like we will, you know what I mean? We just rather give a 35% referral to Zillow then pick up the phone and call our last 10 clients. No kidding, right? Yes, well, it, and then so much of that is limiting beliefs in their mind, right? And, and when they actually get into action, they're like, oh, this is actually fun. I actually really enjoy these people, right? But it's it's that mindset. It's that getting over their own limiting, you know, whatever's you holding them back. You save money. You, you most probably have a higher conversion ratio because it came from your cousin. It came from your tour, the seller who just sold. Right. But, um, so what I noticed in the top three, that although they might have an account with Redfin, Zillow or whatever accounts they have to get a generate business, their majority of their business comes from traditional doing real estate. Yeah. So that's how it becomes 40, 50, 100 transactions. So, right. Um, yeah. I love that. Hey, what do you think? What do you think? Because you're in LA and you guys do, you cover a lot of LA. You're in Sherman Oaks, right? Is And, and so like that whole area, but I know you guys sell all over. What, what do you guys, what are you telling your agents you have to do differently now than you did like a year ago? What What's different about the market? Because we had this crazy, crazy, you know, I, and I know LA was just like Austin where you'd have, you know, 90 offers on the table, whatever. And it was, in, and now we're feeling like a, a more of a, stabilization right where it's like it's still a very much a seller's market but it's not you might have five offers instead of you know 50 exactly. offers right and you're not going to get a hundred or three hundred thousand over ask like you were before so how are we educating uh, our people because i think it, it's again it's always the catch-up game for the consumer and so how are you advising like agents or clients how to handle that the number one is this um get your scripts right and learn to say sorry because you're gonna start saying a lot of, uh, you gotta listen a lot and say, sorry, I understand. I am, and then because the seller's expectations, every time you sell something, the next seller thinks more is worth more. They don't think, okay, I'm gonna sell less. Yeah. So you have to get used to that script of, I, this is not the trend. This is what, what the changes will see. Number two, I will say that, uh, get the, um, this is what we did recently, uh, two days ago, uh, notice of defaults and foreclosure. You can look at the, the zip code that you have an appointment and pull all the stats on that for now and then two years ago. So when you go to an appointment, just say, although you've been hearing market is hot, I want to show you how many people have not paid their mortgage and what we're facing Again, in California, we're going to have a lot more rules to foreclose. You mm. might have less, but educate them so they realize moving on now and selling it faster. And um, our agent um, also, if they were sell listing agent and they're like appraisal contingency remove, even though they mm. are putting 10% down and they've been $200,000 over asking, I tell my agents that you are responsible for that deal. Yeah. You pick the uh, transaction that is only 10% down. Yeah. And they have no money. And, but you took an offer that is 200 over, 
who do you think is going to deal with the consequences? And um, so, you know, um, it's just a matter of how do you keep this deal together? Because the moment escrow cancels, yeah, two weeks into it, the next buyer, it's unlikely is going to pay the same price. Yeah. So, you know, that's the, we notice appraisers don't come in, buyers are walking away and they're, the inspection has become totally another round of uh, negotiation. Mm, which was not the case, you know, just a few oh. months ago, a few, you know, like a month ago, actually, right? Three I mean, this, ago, just changed. <clears throat> it's been so quick. It's, so it's, it's funny, you know, we talk about lead generation, right? And how you were saying some people would rather just pay for leads than actually just call their database. Um, I love one part in your book where you talk about, it must've been at one of the KW conventions and you're up there with all the top team leaders, right? And uh, and 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 the, the first person says, I love Legion, it's my life. It's recruiting is my life, you know, because what people don't realize is what we do as leaders of the company is the same thing. We're real estate agents. We're just doing it. it. It's the same thing, right? We're just growing the company with talent. So it's just like a listing for us, right? So it's the same, same struggles, same everything. And then the next guy goes and says, oh, I love recruiting. And then you get on, you're like, ah. and, and you say, you made some comment. And then, and then you say, I didn't say I loved it. I never said that I loved lead generation. And the, then the, the person asking is like, but you did double of what they did. And you're like, yeah, I never said I loved it. I just know how important it is. And I found that so you just you just knew and it, I just got it done in the morning and then I had the rest of my day, right? Because you, you've you sold real estate, you've let off. I mean, you've, you've done the, everything that could touch real estate. Um, I thought that was a really interesting point because I think right now the name of the game to play to win is you have to be current on what's happening because what happened three weeks ago in that market too. That's now you have I, a conversation to have with them. That's why I said adopt very fast. Yeah. Don't lie to yourself. Oh, I am for escrows. That's long time ago. Even yeah. it's pending right now, it's over. So, um, yeah. and you know, you, you know, your agents are very lucky to have, a, as you know, I know a lot of team leaders and OPs. Uh, they're very lucky to have you because I don't see that uh, that in tune that you are with the market to bring. Mm -hmm. Because if the only experience that you want them to succeed, so you're thinking about what's going on, so I can keep my meetings relevant to today's market. So right. uh, great job on that. So what, what do you, what, what are you seeing? And this might be helpful to the listeners, like for pricing, like um, some of the strategies were, you know, forget the pricing of, of going over, right? You don't even go by the sold price necessarily. We're going by the list price, right? So just because it's sold for that, and it doesn't mean that's the price of this house today, right? I'm going to tell you what I say, and I'm going to tell your listeners a technique that they can actually use it. Okay. So awesome. first of all, you got to be, you got to look the best. The property has to look the best. It has to be marketed the best, which is the agent. And it has to be priced the best in the lowest 25% of the market. So that's one. Now, as far as pricing, LA, it's so difficult to price compared to Austin. Is it? Yes. You guys have communities. You go for the other part of the bridge. You, you know, the sizes, you know, they're similar homes. Yeah. One has pool, one doesn't have pool, but you can say the roof is made of gold. In LA, <laughs> right. sellers are like, no, you don't understand. When you walk four levels up on the rooftop, you see a little bit of Century City. I'm like, 
who cares? That's not a view, right? But they think they got a view. So it's like right. a, we have a but it's an old, century city. Yeah. You, <laughs> so we have a lot of, you go two blocks up, it changes completely. It's called LA, but it's not LA. So one of the things I say that as an agent, you got to know where you're located, but to price it low so you can get high, you always know you get higher when you price yeah. low, right? Yeah. So in MLS, you can pull all the souls that they were priced high mm -hmm. and they sold less and they have a red, I don't know about your MLS, ours has a red arrow down. Okay. Show that and how many of them were arrow down and then look at all the ones that they priced low and they have a green arrow up. Look at the percentage of how much lower it sells when they start chasing the market and look at the percentage sells higher compared to what drop. So if you look at, this is just Matt. Yeah. Low, it jumps up and speed and money, which is most people say, I want best service. I want, um, pri I want to sell the most. And also I want to sell it fast. Yeah. You can, usually you don't, you can get all three. So, right. so if you do that and go there and just say, you decide which one would you like? Look at this, you're gonna get red arrow or green arrow. And you know, when you go to a doctor and just say, if you don't take antibiotic, you might die. Or if you take antibiotic, you won't die, you decide. Yeah. No matter how much you're against the drugs, you walk out, you're like, well, there's a possibility I'll die. So, yeah. so put them in that box and just say red arrow or green arrow, yeah. would, would you pick? And it's, so they- so Great visual for that, you know? Yeah, no, I, lo I love that visual because again, so much of anything in life, right, is a self-discovery process and it needs to make sense for people so that they can make a decision. It is their biggest asset. They they should be, but they they deserve that data. And I think, I think data now matters. I mean, data's always matter, but because it is so tricky and it's moving constantly, it really matters. And it matters in, in your micro neighborhood too, can be very different. Uh, we do see that a little bit, not as extreme as LA with like all the special stuff. I mean, it's it's getting there a little bit on some of ours. Well, I'm, we, like, I'm like, yeah. how do we have a $20 million house in Austin? Like, whoa, what? where yeah. did that come We're from? 10% of LA. So you guys are got all the LA's. I mean, uh, exactly. Most of people I know, I just sold something, they all moved to Austin. And I'm like, well, you guys don't don't take this LA culture there because they are all like awesome people and you guys are going to go just do whatever you want and mess it up. I want to go back to your book here um, and page 203. And it's kind of near the end or it is pretty much the very end of the book. But it, you say life is a curious thing. For me, it is hard not to feel a world away from where my life began almost 40 years ago. I mean, technically I'm a world away from Iran, but it's not just about geography. I grew up in a place where I was not meant to exist, a place where my identity was contrary to culture, standards, and faith. I grew up in a home filled with dysfunction and strife with a parent who struggled to provide love and security to someone like me who so desperately needed it. I carried the weight of all that on my shoulders as early as I was able to perceive it a weight that made me feel unworthy, afraid and alone. But if you carry a weight constantly, eventually you become stronger. I resigned myself to live a life that was not necessarily based on who I was or what I wanted, but on what was expected of me, finding happiness in the shadows and never fully coming into the light. But then everything changed on that fateful day. 
on the side of a mountain, unbeknownst to me, the weight I carried and the strength I built was all I could fight. So I fought to walk again. I fought to come to the US. I fought for success. I fought for the privilege to live my life in truth. I fought for love and for family. When I was lying on the road in shock with my legs mangled, I didn't know it, but I was just beginning a fight for my life, a life of happiness, hard-earned and well-deserved happiness. You know, it's almost like the second time reading it hit me harder. I'm so grateful that you read it again. You have no idea. Thank you. I'm so honored to have you here today. So when you when you think of this, though, that, that, that people will read your story, think about how they can overcome whatever it is, because we're hearing a lot of, I mean, right now, there's a lot of mental you know, fear, there's anxiety, depression, suicide. I mean, right now, the, the young culture, the, I have a 17 and 20 year olds, my 17 year old son is surrounded by depression and, you know, all kinds of stuff and, and what's been happening because of the pandemic, because they've been so isolated. Right. But to think about that, whatever is happening in life, you have a choice, right. And that's the whole playing to win mentality in life. Did I play to win today? And when I look at you and I see all your stories, and again, when I met you, you know, people may not know, when I met you, you were a team leader, you were this superstar, we're at a dinner together from all the like top team leaders, you know, and I was still in Reno and I just thought, wow, what an amazing guy. What an, I've always been attracted to you, always thought you're an amazing, incredible human being. Man, I did not know any of these things. And I remember texting you while I was reading it going, OMG, <laughs> honey. I knew what chapter you were in with certain things. You know? <laughs> exactly. And I was just, I'm so inspired because I just want people to know that there is a way, there is a better way. And you are such a beautiful, beautiful, um, just testament of that. Thank you. Thank you for all of this. I think if I have to say one thing before you guys go is that um, write down for everything you have and you're lucky to have and you're grateful and forget about what's happening. Although it might not make you excited every single day, but it will help you when you're down to bounce back up until we're end of this. Because you just, yeah. as alone we are, you're the only person can make yourself happy. Yeah. So. And that's, that's a big one right there. That's a big one right there. So, oh my gosh. Okay, Karma, thank you so, so much for your time today. I know we'll have you back again, but thank you. I appreciate you. Um, I'm so glad you got back up again and again and that you are in my world. You inspire me and I have nothing but love for you and you will inspire many with your story. Thank you so Bye. much. I hope you enjoyed getting to know Harma's story a little bit. Again, you can order his book on Amazon, uh, and it's Getting Back Up by Harma Hartuni. And wow, what a, what a great mindset. And it puts everything in perspective. And even after writing his book, how he realizes that other people's stories are so much harder. So again, don't be programmed by what happened in your past because you're the architect of your future. And that's what the second half is all about, is defining the now and making sure your second half is your best hat, half. And that's how you play to win in any situation. Thank you so much for listening. And I can't wait to see you at the next episode of the second half.